Hello and welcome to Living Word Ministries. We're impacting lives and changing the world. Join us as we dive into the Word of God. Welcome again to Church at Home and for allowing us into your homes. Um, we do trust that today's message will bring you the answers that you need to hear from God. Let us pray. Father, we are just so, so grateful that we can come before your presence this morning to hear you speak to us. Our hearts are open wide that as you speak to us, Father, we'll be intentional to take those actions because we know that those that do the will of God are those that profit. We commit today's service into your hands. We commit the message into your hands that, Lord, you'll speak through me, the exact mind of God, and your people will be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I just want to start off by saying that as a ministry, our hearts go out um, to those who have lost loved ones at this period. And we just pray that the Lord, the God of all comfort, will continue to comfort you in the name of Jesus. Um, for those who are still in hospital, it's our prayer that, you know, they will recover speedily and return back to their families. Um, those who are at home recuperating as well, our prayer is that the God of that heals would heal them speedily in the mighty name of Jesus. So um, today's message is a heart of gratitude in the face of adversity. And I think it's a message that's um, important for the times and the seasons that we're in. We've had so many messages, you know, about times and seasons. But what actions do we act should we take? even during this period. So um, I'm going to start off by asking us, you know, some questions. You know, how do you feel when you have a long-standing prayer and God answers that prayer? You know, so say you find the man or the woman of your dreams or you've been waiting on the Lord for a child or, you know, that dream job or that car or that house. You know, how do you actually feel when those prayers are answered? You know, I don't think, you know, I we, we, we know that you're happy, you're joyous, you, you know, there's a spring in your step. You want to testify and Sunday can't come, you know, quick enough for you to want to come and share that testimony in church. But, you know, let's turn it on its head and look at it this way. When those prayers seem as if they're not being answered, how do you rejoice? How do you take it? How are you able to testify? You know, somebody say, how can I testify when things have gone wrong? But, you know, we're going to look in the scripture this morning and we'll see what the word of God says, that even when things don't go as we expect, what should we do? You know, this Bible says that, you know, where there's life, there is hope. And as long as you're still breathing, there is hope. So I'm going to take our first scripture this morning, and it's 1 Corinthians 5, verse 16 to 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. And this is a scripture that we're very much aware of. It says, always be joyful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. It says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. Always be joyful. Now we know 
that in the face of adversity, it's quite difficult for you to be joyful. When life deals you a hard blow, when you lose your job, when your marriage goes pear-shaped, when you lose a loved one, how can you be joyful? When your business goes under, those are difficult times to be joyful. But the Bible is saying we should be joyful. Now, what, are, what, actually, what fuel propels people to be joyful when there's discouragement, when there's disappointment, when there are plagues, when there's disasters, when there's wars, or even the ultimate, when there's a death? How can you be joyful in it? But as we've just read that scripture, it says, be thankful in all circumstances. You know, people are daily faced with hunger. We're faced with terrorism. We're faced with racism. We're faced with all sorts of, all manners of disasters. Bad things are happening around us every single day. And people asking the question, why? But more importantly, why do bad things happen to good people? And that's a question that, you know, God's going to help us to answer this morning. Now, I just want to draw a quick clarification. And this is an area that people get confused about every so often. The in and the for. Right. So it says be thankful in all circumstances. It's not saying be thankful for the circumstances. So God is not wanting us to be thankful for the things that have happened or the things that have gone wrong. He's not wanting us to be thankful that somebody in our life has died young and not been able to fulfill destiny. He's not wanting us to be thankful because we've lost our job or lost our business or our marriage has gone under. He's asking us to be thankful in spite of those situations. And I thought I better clear that so that we don't get confused. So God wants us to be thankful in spite of those situations. He want, he doesn't want those situations to take us away from his promises. He doesn't want those t- situations to take, a, take us away from his plans and his purpose for each and every one of us. He's wanting us that in difficult times, we should know that he's got our back because he said he will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And this is the promise that God has for us. But if we would stop and say, right, even these things have happened to me, but I would not take my focus off God because I know that God has a plan for me. Now, God has a plan for each and every one of us in the word of God. Now, um, before we go any further, I want us to share another scripture and we'll go back to the beginning. What happened in the beginning and we'll walk our way through. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 1, and I'm going to pick out a few verses there. Genesis chapter 1. Now, in this, in the following verses, we'll see a recurring event. We'll see a recurring theme that goes right through, and we'll share that with us in a minute. Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. It says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4 says, And God saw the light, and that light was good. Then God divided the light from the darkness. If you fast forward to verse 10, it says, and God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. 
Then God said, God saw that it was good. Verse 16 says, God made two great lights, the greater lights to govern the day and the lesser lights to govern the nights. He also made the stars. Verse 17 says, God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. Verse 18 says, and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. 21. So God created the great, great creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God, this 25, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the bird of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 31 says, then God saw everything that he had made. I'll repeat that. Then God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. So that evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now, quick question here. Does God know the difference between good and bad? It sure does. So if the Bible tells us that everything that God made was either good or very good, when did God create disaster? When did God create diseases? When did God create disappointments, plagues, wars? So from this, we can establish that this was not God's creation at all. God never made the bad stuff. God never made sicknesses. God's invention was not diseases. It was never part of God's original plan. God never created long attacking viruses. You see, God has a perfect plan for each and every one of us. And that's what he tells us in Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. And I'll read this in the message, message version. It says, I know what I'm doing. I have, all, I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not to abandon you. Plans to give you a future that you hope for. You see, God has a great plan. God's plan for us is even much better than the plans that we have for ourselves. If only God could open our eyes for us to see the plans that he has for us. A lot of times we think, oh yeah, I've got a plan to do this and to do that and to do that. But God's plan much outweighs the plans that we have for ourselves. You see, we have choices that we have to make in life. And a few weeks ago, when I ministered, I said, we are all in this big supermarket and we have to make choices. Some choices we make, some choices are just thrown at us. But at the end of the day, 
we face either the rewards or the repercussions of any of these choices. You see, we live in a fallen world and that's the sad part of things. Our world is rigged with sin that has been adopted from Adam. And because Adam committed high treason, it took Christ, it took Jesus Christ to redeem us back unto the Father. You know, the Bible says that the heart of man is desperately wicked. And that's the world that we live in. Bad has become good in the eyes of man. To the point that people get confused. Confused.com. We're in a society where once 99% of the population does something, it's termed as right. It's politically correct. We don't go back to scripture to find out what does the word of God say concerning an issue. As long as A, B, and C are doing it, we believe it's right. And that's why we're in the situation we're in, in this world. But whatever it is, God is faithful. And he has a plan for us, but we need to walk with him so that we can receive the promises. So going back to the original question or the original title of our message, how can we be grateful in the face of adversity? When life throws situations at us, how can we be grateful? We can be grateful because God has an answer for us in his word. God is a God that redeems. He redeemed the Israelites. And time and time in the Bible, we see how God redeems his own from situations that they face. Let's take a look at what Romans chapter 8 says. Romans chapter 8 verse 28. You know, God's goal is that everything would work out for us and it work out for good. Romans 28 Romans 8, 28, I'll read that in the Amplified Version. It says, and we know with great confidence that God, who is deeply concerned about us, causes not just some things, not just a few things, all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God. I'm asking you that question. Do you love God? If your answer is yes, then all things would work together for your good. It says, for those who are called according to his plan and purpose. So if you love God and you're in God's plan and you're in his purpose, then you can be rest assured that no matter what comes your way, it shall turn out well in the end. You know, Sam. Psalm 30, I'll read this very quickly. Psalm 30, verse 5. Psalm 30, verse 5. And I'll read the part B. It says, weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. So what is it that is causing you to weep? 
What is causing those sleepless nights? Is it one of the things I've mentioned earlier on? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Is it your children? Is it your business? Whatever it is, there's a promise for us. And you know, God says, he says, I hold my word above my name. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither is it the son of man that he should repent. If he has said it, we can hold him at his word. The psalmist says, he has turned my mourning into dancing. He has removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. And if we, if we read the Psalms very well, if you're familiar with the Psalms of David, time and time again, he went through things that could have taken me under. But every time he had a Psalm, he had a word that he spoke unto the Lord. He says, where can I go from your presence, Lord? He knew that there is nothing that he could have faced that God would not redeem him from. And that is why every time he faced a disaster, every time he faced a situation in his life, he always went back to God and God redeemed him. And that's why, you know, the Bible says that David is a man after God's own heart. You know, when we look in scripture, if we look in, say, the book of John, we remember the man that was born blind. Now, this guy was born blind. These disciples asked, was it his father? Was it his mother? Or was it even him that sinned? But Jesus said, no. Now, we've established that God is not the author and he did not create anything bad. But where there's a situation that seems bad, God would always be at hand to turn those situations around. And that's what we see in the life of the man that was born blind. When God came, Jesus came into his life, that situation was turned around. When the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, the day she met Christ and touched the hem of his garment, the Bible says that the flow of blood stopped. She received her healing. The woman that was bent over for 18 years, the man that was bent over for 38 years. And we see time and time again where Jesus comes on the scene. And the minute Jesus comes on the scene, healing comes on the scene as well. So every time you look at Christ on his mission, on his ministry, from, every, from point A to point B, everywhere he went, the Bible says that he had compassion on the people. And everyone that was brought to him, every single person was healed because he's a God of compassion. And through Jesus Christ, he walked his compassion through us. You see, God, when we go through stuff in life, when we go through issues, when we go through what we feel are disappointments, we need to understand that God would always be there to pull us through. And that's why the psalmist says, he says, 
when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he knows that God is with him. Now, if you cast your mind back to the time that Paul and Silas were arrested and they were thrown in jail because they casted out a familiar spirit from a lady. Now, what does the Bible say? You can read this in Acts chapter 16. It says, Paul and Silas spent their time praying and praising. Praying and praising. The Bible says, rejoice always. Pray continuously. Paul and Silas prayed and they praised to the point that the Bible says at midnight hour. What is your midnight hour? That time of hurt, that time of pain, at midnight hour, Paul and Silas praised their way to the point that there was an earthquake and the shackles that were tied around their feet broke and the gates of the prison was flung open. Now, if you read that account, that was what they what led to the salvation of the guards. Because they feared that Paul and Silas and all the other prisoners had left, had run away. But they were still there. And the guards asked, how can I be saved? Your praises in the face of adversity is the ticket to somebody's salvation. If you would take time and not look upon the circumstances, look upon the God who can help you and walk you and deliver you from those circumstances. There's a story that I came across and I'm gonna read this to us. It says, there's a hunter who lost his way in the jungle whilst chasing a deer. Utilizing all his navigating skills, he could not find his way out. Neither could he find any food to eat. And this went on for three days. He became despondent, confused, cold, and hungry. He began to lose hope and resigned himself to dying from hunger. But as he looked up, his eyes caught an apple tree. He was so happy that he plucked 20 apples from that tree. As he sat down to eat the first apple, he was very excited and very grateful to God that after all, he wasn't gonna buy, he wasn't gonna die from hunger. As he ate the second apple and the third apple, the fourth apple, he became less excited and less grateful. By the time he ate the tenth apple, he was no longer enjoying the apples. Now he started to complain, having forgotten the joy of finding the first apple, the joy of finding the tree, when he was resigning himself to die a death by hunger. Now in economics, we call this 
the law of diminishing marginal utility. Or actually, we can call it the law of diminishing gratitude. Now, simply spoken, when you begin to take people for granted or you take things for granted, this is what happens. To every apple, there's a reduction in the gratefulness. People call it familiarity breeds content. When you have all these things given to you, you get to a point where you don't appreciate the time, the work, the prayer that it took for you to acquire those things. The 10th apple effect is equivalent to a lack of appreciation. You know, the Bible says that God has given us all things to enjoy. Now, that first apple and the 10th apple actually taste the same. The fact that the hunter did not enjoy the 10th apple as much as the first apple is not the fault of the apple, but the fault of the one that's eating the apple. Now, for each one of us, if we look at the church today, that seems to be the story of some of us. The Bible has given us everything that we need for a fulfilled Christian life. But we find we complain about everything. We complain about the weather. It's too cold. It's too hot. It's snowing. It's raining. We complain about our jobs. We complain about our salaries. We complain about, you know, our children. The children we prayed for. We complain about the government. We complain about our business. We complain about every single thing. The 10th apple effect. Forgetting that there was a time in our lives that we were so praying and fasting for these things. I encourage us today. Let us go back to the first apple effect. Let us go back to when we appreciate and appreciated everything that God gave us in the first place. Now, what's the correlation between that and thanking God in the face of adversity? Now, if I can remind us, when Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, what he did was obeyed. In obedience, as he was about to sacrifice Isaac, God pointed him to a lamb. When we're going through an adversity in life, it's important that we know that God has not left us. And in the face of adversity, God is still with each and every one of us. He has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. And his purpose is to do us good. Not just when we're doing right, but every, at every point in our lives. That's God's plan for us. 
You know, we're in a situation at the moment where people don't know if they'll have a job to go back to. But I encourage you, even in this face of uncertainty, lift up your hands and say, Father, I know that you have a plan for me. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one that holds tomorrow. And because you know the one that holds tomorrow, you can be rest assured that he's got your back. You know, God in his infinite mercy will make sure that every single thing works out well for you in the end. I encourage you, when you're faced with adversity, when troubles come, and I said that when troubles come, because troubles would come, take your eyes off the situation, focus on God. And as you lift up your hands and praise him and pray, you would praise him all the days of your lives. You'll praise him through the circumstances and you'll be able to take your eyes off the situation knowing that all shall work out well for you. You know, Moses' mother had a cause to thank God when Pharaoh's daughter came out and took Moses into the palace. Hannah was another lady that had a cause to praise God to the point that she actually dedicated a song unto God and left Samuel in the temple, in the house of God. So whatever it is that you're going through, know that God is in control and let the one who is in control let him take ownership of the situation. We have a faithful God. When we're grateful for what God's doing in our lives, we would have more cause to be grateful. God is our father. The same as when you buy a product, it has a manual. So basically speaking, we are God's children, the apple of his eyes. And because he created us, he will watch over us. I encourage us this morning, whatever it is that you're going through, find the space in your heart to thank God. Thanks for listening. If you were blessed by today's message, why not share it with a loved one? And as always, stay connected by visiting our website at www.lwmi.org.uk. We hope you were blessed.